Welcome to Empowered for Life, a weekly audio podcast with Pastor Dr. Dwight A. Smith, teaching the Bible with clarity and relevance, tackling today's topics and issues, bringing healing and restoration into the lives of hurting people. Hello, greetings and welcome. I'm your host, Pastor Dr. Dwight A. Smith, here with podcast episode number 21, Accessing Kingdom Teachings That Relate to Daily Living. Hello, greetings, welcome back. I'm your host, Pastor Dr. Dwight A. Smith, here with another podcast episode. God is a good God, and he's great and greatly to be praised. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let all that is within me bless his holy name. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord, for in his house is the fullness of joy. There's new mercies every day. Here we are today to share with you again from the word of God. I want to talk to you today about walking in the Holy Spirit, walking in the Holy Spirit. You know, the greatest gift ever given to you and me is a gift from God. It's the gift of his only begotten son. This gift was a free gift given to us, yet it cost the heavenly father and the son everything. And the only requirement to receive this great gift is to be born again a second time a birth that Jesus describes as a spiritual birth. The Bible teaches that when a man and a woman is first born, that we are born in sin. So we are sinners not because of what we do. We are sinners by virtue of being born. Now, some of you may say that is not fair. It's not fair that we are born in sin because Adam and Eve chose to sin. However, it may not seem fair that we were born in sin because of Adam and Eve's sin, but God is a just God. And so because we were born in sin because Adam and Eve sinned, God also sent his son so that we can be reconciled to him, that we can be born again, that we can be redeemed, that we can be restored, that we can be refreshed, that we can come back into right fellowship and right relation, into a right relationship with him through Jesus Christ. So he made it possible by giving the gift of his only begotten son, that as we receive Jesus Christ, as we receive what Christ did on Calvary's cross by giving his very life, by shedding his blood, for the Bible tells us that where there is no shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So our sins are forgiven because Jesus shed his blood. Because Jesus' blood was the acceptable sacrifice by God, then we are 
by virtue of receiving what Jesus did on Calvary's cross, by opening our hearts to him, he will cleanse us of our sin and our iniquity, and he will restore us into fellowship with God the Father so that our relationship will be reconciled. That is justice, and that's what makes it fair. Now, remember, when God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and placed in the garden the tree of knowledge of good and evil, God told, them, told Adam not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that the day he ate of that tree, dying, he would surely die. But Adam and Eve did indeed eat of that tree. And so the moment they ate of that tree, there was a spiritual death that took place. The spirit of God that abided on the inside of them died. And as a result of that spirit dying, all men, all humanity come into life dead to Christ or born in sin. The Bible declares that the wage of sin or the pay allocated to sin is death. So all men are born physically alive, but spiritually they are dead. And because they are born spiritually dead, their heart, their mind, their body, and their soul are spiritually dead. Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22. 1 Corinthians tells us that for as in Adam all died, so that everybody died as a result of Adam, so in Christ all will be made alive. And so you see, because of Jesus Christ, we are all made alive. Look also at Romans 5 verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking the commandments as did Adam, who was the pattern of the one who is to come. Verse 15 says, but the gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to the many. So you see, just as all are born in sin as a result of Adam, because of Jesus Christ, because of the grace of God, grace being God's unmerited, undeserved favor, for we did not deserve the favor of God. We did not deserve the life of God because of being in sin. That grace and that favor was extended to us through Jesus Christ. But it is not only God's unmerited favor, for that grace is also God's divine enablement, God's empowerment. That's the power of God, the enabling power of God in you that transforms your life, the enabling power of God within you that makes it possible for you to live 
free and separated from sin, the enabling power of God within you that gives you the ability to walk the spirit-filled life, the enabling power of God within you that gives you the power and the ability to overcome the enemy, the adversary, the accuser of the brethren, to overcome sin and enabling you to live a sanctified, a set-apart life, set apart from sin and set apart unto God. So God gives us his grace through Jesus Christ that we might live the Zoe, the God kind of life. So not because of what we did, but merely because we are born. So you could be a morally good person. You could do many good things. But if you have not accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, you are in sin because you're in sin as a result of birth. But understand this, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. So you're dead in sin, but God will raise you out of sin and cause you to have a new life, a life in Christ Jesus, a triumphant Christian life, a victorious overcoming life. So God makes us alive in Christ. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. We'll begin with verse number 1. As for you and me, we were dead in our trespasses and sin. So we were born in sin, and as a result of us being born in sin, we were dead because our sins was a trespass against God. Verse 2, in which we used to live when we followed the ways of this world. So as we follow the ways of the world, as we follow the systems of this world, we are dead in our trespasses and we are dead unto God and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. So it says as we follow the ways of the world and as we follow the ruler of the kingdom of the air, and the Bible lets us know that Satan is the prince of the power of the air, that he has a kingdom, a kingdom of darkness, and he rules in darkness, darkness being sin and ignorance when you don't know that you can come out of the situation of life that you're in when you don't know that you can be free of the bondages and the addictions that you suffer in when you don't know that you don't have to live the way that you're living you are bound in that by the prince of the power of the air who rules in this ignorance and because he's ruling that way he keeps us in our trespasses and in sin. So it says the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So it lets us know that the prince of the power of the air, we understand that he is Satan. He is a deceiver of the brethren. He is at work in the children of disobedient. In other words, his method of operation is to cause you to be disobedient to God, to disobey the word of God, to disobey the principles of God, to disobey the precepts of God. 
And so in our desire to live our life as we want to live, making statements like, I'm my own man, I'm three times seven, I do what I want to do, nobody can tell me how to live my life, I make my own choices, I am a self-made man or woman, we live in disobedience because the prince of the power of the air influences us to live in disobedience to the word of God. Verse 3 says, all of us also lived among them at one time, stating that we were all, everybody lived in disobedience at one time. We were gratifying the cravings of our flesh. So we lived based on what we desired. Whatever we felt like doing, we did it. You know, the song said, if it feels good, do it. So we did whatever we felt like doing. We gratified the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. So we moved through life living by the flesh. We did what made the flesh feel good. Whatever we thought about, we felt like it was okay to do. We did what we felt like doing. Whether we were taught it was wrong or right, we did it anyway. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of the wrath. So here we see by, by virtue of the fact of what we were doing, by the fact that we were living out the disobedience to the will, the plan, the purpose of God, by the fact that we were satisfying and gratifying the cravings of our flesh, we were deserving of the wrath of God. And what is the wrath of God? The wrath of God is that the wage of sin is death. And so that every time we sin, we are allowing something to die. And so there are times when we have been doing things, even to our physical bodies, that was against what our bodies should have been taken through. We went by our fleshly cravings and caused physical harm to our own physical bodies. You understand that, you know, you smoke and the Surgeon General says smoking cigarettes is harmful to the body, but we did it anyway. We used illegal pharmaceuticals, pills, drugs, knowing that it was not good for our physical bodies, but we did it anyway. And as a result of doing it anyway, our physical bodies began to pay a price. And that price brought about a condition in our body, sometimes brought sickness and disease. And that was because that was a part of what was the wrath. However, there is something good to be known about the plan, the purpose, and the will of God. Know that God sent you into the earth, first of all, with a purpose. Know that nobody comes into the earth, Ram, without purpose. Know that God loves you. Know that no matter what you have done, how you have lived your life, God loves you. 
And because God loves you, his desire for you is that your life is transformed and changed. So he will love you out of the hell you're in. He will love you out of the condition you're in. He will love you out of the bondages that you're in because he loves you. He loves you so much that he does not want to see you remain the way you are. God loves you. So let's see it in verse number four here. It says, but because of his great love for us, because God had tremendous love for us, God was so rich in his mercy because he was so great in his love for us that he was rich in his mercy. In John 3.16, it tells us this way, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So here we see that God was so much in love with us and for us that he would send his only son to die so that we would be reconciled, that we would be redeemed, to be purchased back, to be brought out of sin. So Jesus paid the sin price. He paid the price for sin. Remember I said the wages of sin is death. So he died to pay the sin price. When he paid the sin price, he made it possible that we could come back to the Father. And so it says, whosoever believes, you've got to believe that what he did made it possible and accept what he did. When you believe with your heart, confess it with your mouth, then the Bible says you shall be saved. So John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God wants you to live eternally. Who wants to live forever? It is my desire to live forever. And I know that I can live forever by receiving the promised son. I can live forever by receiving what Jesus Christ did on Calvary's cross. I can live forever by accepting him in my heart and by living in accordance with the word of God. I can, in fact, I am living forever. Look at verse 17 of, of John chapter 3. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So Jesus didn't come into the world to kill you and condemn you because of your sin. He came into the world to redeem you and to save you from your sin. He came into the world to give you the gift of salvation. What is salvation? Salvation comes from the Greek word, which is soteria. Soteria means healings of mind, body, soul, and spirit. What it means is that when we receive Jesus Christ, we are and have the ability to be made whole. So you can receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and at the same time, you can receive healing for your body. You can receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and at the same time, the confusion, the turmoil, the trouble that have been perplexing your mind, you can be healed of that and now have the peace of God that's a passive 
all understanding. You can receive the salvation of God and be physically protected. So God gives us salvation through Christ Jesus. Let's look at John's gospel, chapter 3, beginning with verse 3. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. First, let's understand why this statement is made. There is a ruler, a teacher of the Jews by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was one who was well-educated and well-knowledgeable of the scriptures. He was a man who was a ruler of the Jews teaching, and he came to Jesus by night. He came because he didn't want anyone to see him or to know that he had come to Jesus to get his question answered. He came to Jesus and he asked Jesus the question about being born again. Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Nicodemus says, how can someone be born when he's old? So Nicodemus apparently had some age on him. He said, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. So Nicodemus is looking at being born again in the natural sense. Jesus answers him and said, very truly, I tell you that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and of the spirit. He goes on to say, the flesh gives birth to the flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. You should not be surprised by my saying, you must be born again. So here Jesus tells Nicodemus that when you're born physically, you're born as a result of the flesh, and that the flesh gives birth to flesh. But what he's talking about here is not flesh. He's talking about a spiritual rebirth. He's talking about being born again. And so he says that the spirit, that in order to enter the kingdom of God, you had to be born of the water and of the spirit. Now, water, being born of the water, was symbolic of water baptism. Nicodemus understood this very well because John the Baptist, or the baptizer, was in the wilderness preaching a the gospel of repentance, and he was telling the people, repent and be baptized. And so he was baptizing people, and the, the baptism is a symbolic form of the de death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So you die to your sin, you're buried in a watery grave, and then when you rise from the water, when you come up out of the water, you come up a new person in the newness of life, and everybody around that saw you being baptized knew that you had made a confession for Christ. And he says here that it is by water and by the Spirit, which means that it is a requirement that you have a spiritual birth that comes only through the Spirit of God, that comes only through your relationship with Jesus Christ and with the Holy Spirit. Let's look for a moment just at another scripture concerning water baptism. Acts chapter 22, verse 16 says, And now, what are you waiting for? Get up. 
be baptized and wash your sins away by calling on his name. He's saying that you're being baptized and your sins will be washed away, not just from the water baptism, but your sins are washed away because you're called name of God's son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look also at Titus chapter three, verse five. He saves us not because of the righteous things we have done. So here we see we're not saved because we do. He shows us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. So he says we're saved by the washing of rebirth and by the renewal of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is participating in the cleansing us from our sin and iniquity and making us righteous, cleansed, and bringing us in right standing with God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son. Look at John 1, 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So here we see the way we become children of God is by believing in his name, believing in the name of Yeshua, Jesus the Christ, by receiving Yeshua, Jesus the Christ, we become children of God. Verse 13 says, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So it says that we're not born because someone decided I want to have children uh, because the husband of a wife says, let's have a child. It says here that we are born again because we are born of God. We are born of the will of God. It is God's will that we be born again. The Bible declares that God is not willing that any should perish. God is not desirous that any should die in their sin. But his desire is that all should come to the knowledge of the truth, that all should come into fellowship and right relationship. And who is the truth? Jesus says, I am the way the truth and the light. No man comes to the Father but by me. So here we see Jesus identifying himself as the truth. He identifies himself as the way to the Father. And he says no one can get to the Father except they come through him to get to the Father. He says if you come by any other means, if you come by the window instead of the door, for he says I am the door by me. If any man enters, he shall be saved. If you come by the window instead of the door, you come as a thief or a robber. So he says, if you try to get through the means of religion, if you try to come to God by any other means than coming through Yeshua, Jesus the Christ, if you try getting to God the Father by coming any other way than through the Messiah, then you come as a thief and a robber and you cannot get into the kingdom of God, nor can you get into the presence of God because Jesus is the door to the kingdom and to the presence of God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 50. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit 
the imperishable. God is saying right here that your flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is a imperishable kingdom. That it's a kingdom that will stand forever. And because flesh and blood is perishing, because we are, by virtue of our physical bodies, we are decaying. As we age, our bodies are going through a transformation whereby uh, we don't have the same flexibility. We don't have the muscle coordination. We don't have the strength and the ability we had when we were younger because our physical bodies are decaying. Just as the flesh and blood cannot live forever, Jesus says it cannot inherit the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is an eternal kingdom that in order to inherit the kingdom of God, you have to inherited by the spirit and that's why you must be born again that is why you must receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior that is why you must allow him to transform and make new your heart that is why you must give your heart totally to him that you can be reborn, revived, restored, refreshed, renovated, and made new so that you can enter into an imperishable kingdom, a kingdom that will live forever, enabling you as well to live forever. So we see in John's gospel, chapter 3, verse 6, that Jesus declares that this birth must come from the Holy Spirit. But our spiritual birth is just the beginning of our new relationship with God. After being born again, we need to grow spiritually, and our spiritual growth is dependent on our priceless relationship that God has given us to empower our spirits to follow Christ in every aspect of our behavior. So what he does is he said, once we receive Jesus Christ, that he would give us the power to become the sons of God. He would give us the power of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit will be in you to enable you to live and walk this Christian journey. Remembering that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity and that the Holy Spirit is with us to minister to us and to help us and his presence with us is to empower us to become what God wants us to be to live the way God wants us to live and to achieve what God wants us to achieve so the Holy Spirit is there to help us and to influence us and to give us an ability to live this victorious life and so when he comes in he comes in his very presence brings the power of God remembering that he is the third person of the trinity he is equal in power with God the father and God the son he is equally eternal meaning that he is from everlasting to everlasting and that he comes to empower us to walk the life that Christ has called us to. Jesus, in talking to his disciples in John chapter 14, verse 17, reveals that the Holy Spirit had been present with the disciples 
the whole time they were doing ministry. But he let them know that there would be a time when he would not just be present with them to help them, that he would not just come on them. For see, before the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was active as we have noticed that he was active throughout the Old Testament down through time and being active with the disciples, but he would on the day of Pentecost not come on them, but he would come in them. Jesus says he would be another parakletos, another helper, another one just like him, but he would not be limited in time and space because he's in one physical body, but he would be in all of them, thus giving them each the ability to receive ministry from him, to receive directions and instructions from him. And he tells us that the Holy Spirit being in them would teach them all things and guide them into all truth. He tells them that the Holy Spirit will cause them to remember everything that he, Christ, had said to them, that the Holy Spirit will empower them to testify and be a witness of Christ to others, that the Holy Spirit would help them and be a comforter to him, to them. He tells them that the Holy Spirit will even convict convict unbelievers of their sins. So it's not the responsibility of the person to try to bring conviction to another person by what they may have done wrong or the fact that they are in sin. It is the Holy Spirit's job to convict another of sin. It is also the Holy Spirit who reveals the righteousness of Christ. So he's the one who reveals to us what is right and what righteousness is. He reveals and condemns and and brings the judgment of God. The Holy Spirit reveals the future events to believers. So it's the Holy Spirit who lets us know what the future holds. He lets us know what we can expect going into the future. He empowers every believer with spiritual power. He empowers us to be able to live the Zoe. That word Zoe means the God kind of life. Jesus said, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So the God kind of life is not tie a knot, hang in there, Friday's coming. But the God kind of life is a victorious overcoming life. The God kind of life is a triumphant life. The God kind of life is the life of more than so Jesus says, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So it's an abundant life. So we have that through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables believers to be powerful witnesses of Christ. So it's the Holy Spirit that gives you the power, gives you the wisdom, gives you the knowledge, gives you the understanding of the word of God, of the character and the nature of Jesus Christ, and enables you to witness to that. You know that if you went into a courtroom and you did not go as an eyewitness to an event, the judge would say that secondhand testimony is not admissible in this court. So, so it is with this relationship with Christ. Secondhand uh, information is not admissible. A person cannot testify to who Christ is, to what type of person Jesus is, to the love of God if they are not in a relationship with God 
through Jesus Christ. And it is when we have established that relationship with God through Jesus Christ that the Holy Spirit gives us the power through firsthand eyewitness information to reveal to others who Christ is, we then become a living epistle read by men. They are able to look at us and see that we have been in a relationship with God the Father. And that comes as a result of the Holy Spirit. Look at John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 17. The Spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus tells his disciples that on a particular day, the Holy Spirit who had been with you will be in you. Jesus says that on that day, you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. He says you will come to realize that after the Holy Spirit have come to live in you, you will come to realize that I am in the Father and that we are in you. So when we've received the Holy Spirit, we have in us the power of the Godhead, the power of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit abiding on the inside of us. They have all come to take up residency on the inside of us to live in our hearts. For Jesus says that he is in the Father and the Father is in him, and he is in us. And the Holy Spirit has come on the day of Pentecost to live in us. And so as we receive the Holy Spirit in us, he, the Holy Spirit, enables us to walk in the Spirit, to live in the Spirit, to live according to the plan, the purpose, and the will of God. Now, just in case you have been listening to this and you have not yet made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'd like to lead you in a prayer of acceptance that you may accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you would like to do that, you can pray this prayer after me. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I recognize that I am a sinner, that I have violated and I have broken your laws. And so I ask that you would forgive me for my sins. I understand that Jesus died on Calvary's cross that I might be forgiven for my sins. I ask that you would take the blood that Jesus shed and wash me, cleanse me of my sin and iniquity as I accept Jesus and all that he has done for me. I receive him now as my Lord and my Savior. And so I make this confession with my mouth as I believe this in my heart. I believe that Jesus lived, he died, and he rose again and that he's now seated at your right hand, and I receive him as my Lord and my Savior. I give my life to him. Now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come into my life, that you would fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit and enable me to live 
a triumphant life in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to Empower for Life. If you're ready to shake off religion and tradition, to be, to do, and to have everything God purposed for you, then continue to tune in as we answer your questions and reveal to you the mysteries and secrets of the kingdom of God. Feel free to email us your questions and prayer requests at empoweredforlifetv at aol.com. That's empoweredforlifetv at aol.com. Or visit us online at www.empoweredforlife.tv. Again, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to sharing the Word of God with you.